Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, when scaling becomes scary, turning the taps off, and it takes a community to brew a beer. This is Obstacle Course. Let's brew. Let's push record, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is take two. Take one was never recorded. No, but and it was so good. And you hate redoing things. I'm not a huge fan of repeating myself. No, no. But... But here we are. We'll just make the conversation new and unique and somewhat similar because we were actually having a pretty good chat. It was. And the, you know, essence of our chat was the fact that I chose the worst year impossible to do a challenge of no drinking for nine months. Yeah. Why was this a bad decision, Andrew? Where were we recording? We recorded live from Riot Brewing. Yes. In a beer place. (laughs) Yeah. In beautiful. Shamanus, not Duncan. Shamanus, a little north of Duncan, I learned. Yeah. Uh, but a, an awesome brewery, yeah. uh, two fantastic people, and excellent beer, which I enjoyed. And you were drinking, kind of ironically, Canada Dry. <laughs> yeah, just like my humor about <laughs> Canada, which is not dry humor. That was terrible. Anyways, um, yeah, I could have had all the beer I wanted that night. And instead, I just kept drinking my ginger ale. Mm-hmm. But you know, you didn't have as much beer as I thought you were going to have. You said you were going to overdo it and then sleep in my house. Yeah. I think this just just was your way of trying to snuggle with me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that. But you had a big soccer game. I had had to go play soccer. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. If uh, I I would love to go back to Riot and along with you, have a couple beers. And partake. What is inspiring you to continue with your sober year basically yeah yeah because you've heard of sober october and you've heard of like taking january off but i decided to give nine months off now in the previous iteration of this intro andrew used some sarcastic language in describing my what did you say you're like (laughs) oh i'm gonna birth something yeah i'm gonna birth something beautiful after (laughs) nine months of not drinking yeah exactly right and so that was, uh, you know, he's right. <laughs> full, full stop. He was right. Um, I did. That was my idea behind the whole thing is like, maybe I'll give up something for nine months to see what I can birth in the world. And everyone I tell that to is like, okay, that makes uh, mm-hmm. birth. Oh, I say birth in the world. Okay. But it, it meant something to me. And I think for me, it was just when I make a challenge for myself, I feel like it's actually goes against the universal laws to like for me to be like, well, you know, let's be honest, who cares about nine months? I can do six. That's still good. I can do three. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have to do it. Um, and you were you were digging in before. I was digging in a little bit because of like of the why, what yeah. the, the purpose behind this choice. If it's if the purpose is to make sure that people don't judge you when you said you were going to do something, or you don't judge yourself because you said you were going to do something that doesn't sound like a great purpose <laughs> yeah it's not maybe not that healthy or or useful uh in your psyche and and just it, as a motivation um so why why are you choosing to what what's so important about this that uh that you're denying yourself of something that perhaps you would enjoy yeah, and, and, you know, truth be told, you know, I've been drunk once in my life, so alcohol has never been a real problem for me. I do enjoy it, but, you know, I, I pick something. This was kind of my first year of doing this, and it might be my last, but <laughs> I pick something that I do enjoy quite a bit and also can kind of have some negative side effects mm-hmm. um, on, you know, health-wise and even on my mindset. Like, I, I do find after drinking the next day, I'm just, I'm kind of just blah. But yeah, folks, this this was an episode about what happens when a business is doing too well. 
I mean, when it's too much of a good thing. You'll hear in this episode, Riot was like selling like all over the place and they, they had such demand that it, it was too much for their for the structure of their business to handle. And they ended up um, essentially losing their business. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons that anyone who is starting a business is in a business um, who wants to do something entrepreneurial or even just it can apply in, in relationships as well. It's you, you need to make sure that the groundwork is laid and yeah. that you're you're saying no at the right times. Right. And, and it almost cost Riot and its two owners very dearly. And, and we do talk about the business failing and also the, the detrimental effects that that had. Well, and here it is, Andrew. Spoiler alert, folks. They did come back. Riot did rise back up and predominantly because of the community around them. And that for me was the most touching part of the episode. Um, hearing the stories of, of how the community literally came in and helped, you know, everything from like filling the planters that they put out to like fixing the holes in the walls to like literally offering them money. Um, this was really, like we said, it takes a community to raise a beer. This is a story of how a community loved a business back into existence. Mm-hmm. And, and it's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, you'll hear it all. And uh, perhaps a good way to really get into this episode is is crack a delicious bottle or can of, yeah. of Riot Brewing. I recommend the Junk Punch IPA. And enjoy. We're back. We're we're at Riot. We're back with Riot. We are. We're having a Riot. We're at Riot Brewing in Chimanus, not Duncan. In Chimanus, which I learned on the drive up here, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit further north. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, we're we're back with Ali and Ralph, the owners, founders, the blood, sweat, and tears of Riot yeah. Brewing. The faces. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having us again. Yeah, absolutely. So. The last time we spoke was at Small Business Big Day in the Couch and Valley, the the Couch and Valley's Chamber event where we met. Uh, you told us a little bit about um, the the inspiration behind the brewery, uh, what what it took even just to get the doors open, the big move over from Vancouver and the lifestyle change. But for people who haven't maybe listened to that episode, it's a great episode. It, featured a number of small business owners from the the couch and valley area but uh for people who haven't listened maybe tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind riot uh the decision in opening and and maybe the the name where it came from choosing to open our own business it was working uh with the small medium-sized companies and you work your way as high as you can go and there's nowhere nowhere left to go you kind of get bored and then you have one of those crappy days and you know uh you call your friend and say hey let's open a brewery and he says sure that's a great idea yeah (laughs) how um so yeah from from that uh that shitty day was uh um where the thought came from and that was back what september 2009 i think somewhere around there and uh yeah it took us a while uh, to come up with the name Riot, um, but for us, Riot's about having fun, just letting go and bringing back uh, the positive connota- connotation of the name. Well, uh, when I hear Riot, I think just energy. Yeah. 
you know, just just like a, a, a good energy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're usually so burnt out that we can't even get up. I know. Like, <laughs> like, that wasn't a suggestion, but no. <laughs> I think energy. Come on, guys. No. Yeah, that's what's like. But it takes a lot of energy, about. and you've been doing it for a long time. So we don't always. Yeah, energy is not something we should take for granted as business owners, right? Because it's, it's yeah, difficult. It, yeah, we've only been open just over three years, but mm-hmm. you know we've been going at it hard since 2010. Well, yeah, you're building, so, right? Yeah. Didn't you say you built for seven years? No, we tried finding investors for seven oh, years. Oh, we which, panhandled for yeah. seven years. Yeah, which, which is exhausting. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I was thinking maybe before we go um, down the track, Andrew's going to go down. I can't see him. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> folks, you can't there. see this, but but we got one of those uh, interesting desks that curves, and uh, Andrew's in my blind spot today. <laughs> so if we talk over each other more than usual, that, that's why. As so. long as you don't veer into me, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and shoulder check. Taking me off the highway. <laughs> but uh, you know, you mentioned uh, seven years of um, panhandling slash talking to investors. I'm wondering for those businesses is listening right now who have to go the investor route what are some gold um, gem ideas you can give them um, of things or even some just shit ideas you can say don't do that <laughs> give us the gold and the shit <laughs> <laughs> wow it was well it's kind of interesting because you know when we started we didn't know all the laws pertaining to um, soliciting people yeah soliciting and raising money which <laughs> which once you find out the laws you're like oh don't open a business because you're not allowed to ask for money or any of these things. And right. we just, we, we networked a lot. Mm. I, I literally would just cold call people mm. and it sounds kind of shitty to say, but as soon as you ask someone for advice or help, you're trying to network, you're trying to meet people. As soon as people are in a position where they can give you some guidance, they're way more open than just Hey, I'm looking for money. Like, hey, I, you know, if you kind of word it differently that you're looking to network and, mm. you know, people are very perceptive to giving you help and, and, you know, pointing you in the right direction because they feel like they're making a difference. So I literally would just cold call people, which would lead me to this person, which would lead me to this person and just kind of kept going. I think we would have had a way easier time if we'd stayed in Vancouver opposed to moving to the island because we didn't really have the contacts over here. Mm. And, you know, we figured, oh, we're from the brewing industry. We know tons about beer and the brewing industry. This would be easy. And no, because we didn't know anyone. You know, right. Vancouver, we, we knew all the restaurant owners. We knew the whole industry, the restaurant industry. So that was kind of a mistake. But at the same time, if we stayed in Vancouver, we wouldn't. We wanted the lifestyle change that kind of came with the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what, <clears throat> what I'm hearing worked is making actual connections with people rather than just like soliciting door to door, literally panhandling. But what it took was making genuine connections, building a relationship, asking for advice that you probably needed just as much as the money. And yeah. and then when you develop that relationship, then people were more forthcoming or could recommend someone. And we were volunteering. We were... Yeah, I want to dig into that yeah. a time period a little bit more because it was seven years from that first idea, like, hey, do you want to drop everything and, and go for a brewery until the doors actually opened, which is, yeah. you know, like a tenth of a lifetime. Sure is. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's you a could a be huge, doctors. You yeah. could have a master's degree. <laughs> yeah. Huge expanse of time. So for one, like just even the idea to go for it in the first place obviously took a lot of courage. 
and and I'm curious a little bit about where that courage may have come from, and and then also where the tenacity to to keep with it is coming from, um, because it, it you know that tenacity, <laughs> resilience, those those words that we talk about on the podcast a lot, and I mean. You guys are laughing, but it it has to be there, and and you can't say stupidity again because you used that one last time. Spite. <laughs> we'll get to that. No, um, I don't know. I mean, back in when we finished high school, we took a took a program at Malasapina, uh, New Enterprise Management, which was a great program about starting your own business. So I guess kind of right out of high school, we knew that we each we wanted to be our own bosses and and own our own business um but then you know you're just out of high school and all you want to do is party (laughs) and go snowboarding every weekend and and such so that went on we opted um, for that yeah yeah well you're doing product testing (laughs) yeah in high school yeah (laughs) exactly exactly you can you can do it else for us to go at our jobs Mm -hmm. either get new jobs or do something on our own and it, I, I mean, it really is probably a lot of just being stupid and not... Okay, I'm going to take issue with this. <laughs> All right? Because, you know, you, you laugh and you say it's probably just being stupid. But let me tell you, like, I think it's just as stupid or even more stupid. And Andrew's probably cringing right now because he doesn't like it when we say call just general people stupid. But uh, I don't think it's oh, wise you to, can't see them. to stay in a job for a long time just yeah. to stay in a job for a long time like yeah. you, you said you came to yeah. the end it's yeah. like most people just kind of stay there and just keep yeah. plugging away and keep just I think you know. that was never us well, like, yeah. it was, I, would, I always had that motto like if you're not you know using a company as bad as it's using you time to move on right like if you stop learning mm-hmm. and you stop huh. growing yeah. why be there Ab- yeah absolutely right? and yeah I agree most people are just complacent and stay there and it's a job And so it took a lot of wisdom for you to make that choice to, to step away right well, I, th- I think for myself, I'm definitely a creature of habit, habit and mm-hmm. comfort. Um, I like comfort zones. So mm-hmm. I think pursuing pursuing this dream and this vision was a lot of challenging myself and, and what, what I would be capable of. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I could just, you know, sit at the same place and do the same thing. It was easy. Right. Barely had to think, you know. And, uh, yeah, so it's definitely very... The challenge is the best part for me. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm I'm the complete opposite of that. Mm. <laughs> I am the can't sit still. Yeah, right. right. Got to keep going. Yeah. I'm I'm not the just sit there comfort no for person. Sure. I'm like, hey, let's let's try this. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, for sure. I, th- I remember saying to you, like, look, man, anyone who like actually goes after the dreams, they always work out. They never fail because they believe in themselves. Like, fuck, what was I thinking? But I remember saying that to you, like convincing you that this was like a really good idea and we have this. Yeah. Yeah, we so have then this. We, I probably kept going out of spite just to not, you know, show you we could do it. You know, everyone gave up on us. After seven years, yeah. how do you not give up? For sure. And, and try and have that kind of intervention with people and say, look, it's been seven years. You haven't had a paycheck. You need to give up this dream. And we're, nope, we're not giving it up. We're going to keep going. So I think... A, a, a bit of spite was in there of like we have to prove you all wrong that we can do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it for the most part worked yeah for, for sure yeah so one thing that i'm hearing come through a lot is values and you were aware even right out of high school that starting something on your own not 
not having to just work in a monotonous nine-to-five job every day, uh, that was really important to you, and you were going to keep doing it basically no matter what happened. And and that's kind of what fueled the the seven years, the, the continuing to push, was that that was very important and and you recognize that and you went for it so um i think that's a the really really important uh part of the story and and also it kind of aligns with um with the name of of the brand right of of the riot and um kind of a little bit counter yeah for sure and and you know, not caring whatever anybody thinks like just going for it so but, but also brewing it's a process Right? <laughs> like that's the other part of yeah. the name yeah. right you have a dream like it, it takes it's a long process nobody said you know yeah. you can have a dream and it's gonna you know come to fruition the next year it might take seven yeah yeah and it's hopefully not for you but it's kind of no. like, you yeah. know it, <laughs> but it, it could yeah it's kind of also that underdog story right well for sure yeah. like like you're saying the counterculture you know the the black sheep the it's just that kind of sums up what Riot is. And I think that resonates with a lot of people. And I think that's why we right. had such success is because everyone likes the underdog and everyone's been the underdog. Totally. You know, and, and people, I think you, people have a human nature to not want to see people fail and, and you know, yeah. want to see people work out like you know, their dreams work out. So, and I think Riot and how we are that we don't, conform to how everyone thinks that we should be like the amount of advice we got of yeah oh you guys should do this and you guys should do this we still get it it's like well that's that's not riot that takes away what we are you know what's but some of the worst advice you anymore got. right like what's yeah. some of the worst advice you got uh you should name your brewery fbi fine beer incorporated <laughs> <laughs> sorry nice sorry sorry jim <laughs> I was going to say we don't have to name. Okay, we named him. Yeah. yeah, we've gotten really bad advice. I mean, even <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, the like, the one that's always gotten me is the amount of people who said when we were trying to raise money initially, who said, "Don't tell people you're looking for money." And I get this, and I think a lot of business people who are very well to do will say that is like, "Don't show your cards." You know, that's not us. Right. And yeah. and it was always that people would get mad at us for staying true to self. What they didn't get is if we went away from true to self, how do you run a business not being who you are? Like if we if we ran this business faking who we are and what we're about, I think we would have closed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You can't keep up a fake persona. And so it was really funny. It was always that. And even when we went through our issues, which I'm sure we're going to get into... It was same. It was like, don't tell people that you need money. Don't pay, tell people you're insolvent. Well, then how the hell do we get out of it? Yeah. You know, all these rich business people are saying, don't say this. But yet, you know, I'm just supposed to go down quietly and not ask for help. Where we took the other approach and we kind of screamed it from the balconies. And hmm. it's it's almost like, I don't know if people are embarrassed, but it's like, what we're human. Definitely you pride, know, like, pride has got to factor in for, yeah. for so a So maybe lot we of just have no pride. Like We just, we're very, <laughs> we're open book, you know? Yeah. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure everyone's failed at something in their life, right? Absolutely. Totally. It's, Absolutely. it's more how you get back up and, and yeah. deal with it, right? Yeah. But some people want to protect that ego, hide, that image. hide from the failure, and then they'll never get anything out of it. And, and it'll probably come back and plague them again and again. But... If you embrace it, if you actually 
you know, lean in and figure out, okay, what can I learn here? What can we do differently? Uh, you know, what, what are some positives that we can take out of this? That's when failure becomes part of the success. Yeah. And I think you have to, you know, to some degree, you can't be perfect on everything. You're going to fail on, on some things, whether you like it or not. Right. So like you said, it's a matter of learning from it and taking from it instead of being in denial of it. Right. It's like they say fail forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. As long as you're learning and and moving forward. Um, you know, something you said, I think is really important to highlight, especially for other business owners listening is, is how you, you started a business and you didn't change who you were. Like in fact, the, the business flowed from who you were which was yourself. And I think it's easy to be like, you know, to, to listen to the people who say, call yourself FBI or to listen to the person who's like, well, you know, just because you guys are like that, your business should be more professional. You shouldn't do that. That's, yes. that's unprofessional. You know, you probably heard that too, right? But I think, oh, that, I think that. I'm guessing part of your success and, and the reason why we're still sitting here and you're still really open for business is because um, of the fact that um, you stay true to yourself. 100%. Would you like to say hi, Ashley? Thanks, Ashley. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Ashley's delivering beers. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. We, because we are in a brewery. She is a fantastic employee, I've heard. Yes. Yeah, she's yeah, she's so amazing. There, there's a shout out for yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> but because uh, you remain true to yourself, I think that's why you're able to get through when you went through the real tough nights or the tough years. Yeah. Like, I honestly could not imagine trying to run this company not being true to self, even with things like our artwork or the colors we have around yeah. the brewery. You know, when we kind of opened, everyone was doing the the refurbished wood look and all this, and everyone's like, oh, you should do that, and the, the corrugated metal, and, yeah. you know, like everyone looks like. And I remember like, okay, it looks good, it's cool, it's really trendy, but that, like, six months down the road, I'll be like, oh, I'm twitchy, this isn't us. Right. You know, and like, how do you keep up a fake facade of who you are? Because yeah. especially like a brewery, it is so encompassing of like who we are it's you know it's not just this well it's a culture yeah it's a culture right you know i think a lot of businesses aren't culture but ours is very culture based for sure and and we're also always in the spotlight whether it's social media or news or whatever and and i don't know how you could pretend to be something you're not and and make it work well so again hitting back on those values on that values piece is just sticking true to it and and not wavering and that's like been the touchstone the the you know the guiding principle that that has gotten gotten through even if it wasn't a super conscious thing like these are our values but like it's just that thought of this is who we are and this is more important than you know being trendy because i also i mean going back to like the original kind of us doing this and not giving up i think another big thing and it it still like resonates with a lot i think is we kind of grew up as, <clears throat> excuse me, but like the outcasts. We were skateboarders. We were tattooed. You know, we had piercings. We had dyed hair. In a time frame when that wasn't <clears throat> acceptable at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were the misfits. We were the outcasts. And I think part of it at a very young age was spite, once again, of like proving people wrong. That you can look the way you do. You can, you know, have... Be who you want to be. Who be who you want to be and still be successful. Because I think back then it was so, you know, everyone was so cast yeah. into, you know. Can't hire someone with tattoos. Yeah. And <laughs> so I think part of it was, was just that, you know, screw that notion that you can you can be whoever you want to be. And I remember 
even when we started and we had all these meetings at banks and BDC and with the mayor, we never once dressed up. We refused to. We would always wear jeans and a hoodie and just be us because our kind of notion was, if you, you know, if you don't like us, like the way we are, what's the matter if we have a shirt on, a fancy shirt or a dress shirt? And so we would never conform to that. And I think it confused a lot of people because we'd walk in and they'd expect us like you don't look professional. Well, what is, what does it matter what I look like? Yeah. Here's my business plan. Here's what we're going to do. And I think that also, you know, a lot of people like that. I'm not sure if I mentioned the story of winning the Black Tie Awards. No. At in in Couch and what after like a year and a half we won. Uh, in 2018. 2018. I remember our, our yeah. golden year. Yeah. Uh, we won uh, what business of the year? One to eleven employees, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because you know we were we were just finalists. We didn't know we were going to win, and the whole crew of us. And I remember the chamber kind of teasing us in a jokingly way saying oh you guys gonna dress up right it's a black tie award we're like yeah yeah for sure (laughs) and so we all got brand new hoodies and clean jeans that's awesome but we we actually put on white collared shirts under our hoodies with a black tie with our lightning bolt on it and we all walked in matching wearing our jeans and a hoodie and it was interesting because the first thing they said was well played and way to stay on brand yeah. Like, you know, way not to change because everyone expects you to. And we were the funnest table by far with victory. We were throwing around a football and being stupid. And everyone loved us there because it was like, you know, you're representing your business. Why would you change who you are? Once the doors opened in 2017, it was... 16. 2016. It was uh, <clears throat> not the end of the road of the struggles. So <laughs> I just want to open that chapter up and and um i'm sure it was a a super exciting time when when the doors finally opened but when did things begin to seem a bit amiss it's like you said open that chapter it's like or that wound yeah uh, (laughs) that's where we'll start shaking and Uh, crying in the corner (laughs) i guess i think you have to do the lead up of 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 success well i was i was gonna start with uh yeah i mean it's pretty you know, the first evening closing and uh, not knowing what to do. How do you close your bar? Because you've never worked in a hospitality industry before. Like, so do we put the chairs up? Uh, we mop the floor? <laughs> we see people do this. Perhaps we should do this. Yeah. <laughs> Normally when it's they're, ki- they're kicking you out and you're the last people in there. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, I think people did that. It was at that point, it was still 100% smoke and mirrors. And... If a brewery hadn't already come out with a beer named that, we would have named a beer that. And, you know, we're doing everything we can. And some local people walked by, and I'm a chatty chuck. So I was like, hey, you want to come in for a tour? And they did. And I gave them a business card, and they moved on. And they're like, why aren't you guys... Well, I guess before they moved on, they were like, why aren't you guys open yet? And I was like, because we have no money. <laughs> we can't even afford raw material. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's for show. And once again, all those people saying, don't ever tell people that you need money. Don't, you know, right. look desperate. We were desperate. And didn't think anything of it. They left. A couple of days later, they're like, hey, we're interested in giving you some money. Um, basically, they, you know, brought in some other family members. And within like a week, they wrote us a check for everything we needed. And not only enough to get open, to go back to where we originally wanted to open with a canning machine, with everything. And it was just that you know amazing time but had i not said that we needed the money we would have never got the money 
So we're like, oh my God, okay, let's let's go. Buy, 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 buy everything. Let's open. And so we were, you know, we had beer made and the tanks were slowly draining and we weren't open. And we just said, you know what? Fuck it, we're going to open. And we actually decided a day because it had taken so long to open that we, when you guys opening, we'd pick a date. That date wouldn't come. So it just got to the point where like, I don't know, one day. Yeah. That was our answer of when you're opening. I don't know. <laughs> and so we're like, you know what? Let's just open on Thursday. <laughs> For no reason. We didn't even tell our family. For we no didn't reason. tell our friends. We didn't tell anyone. Oh. I think driving to work to open that day, I called, when you were driving, I called your family and just said, oh, by the yeah. way, we're <laughs> opening today. They're like, are you kidding? It's been seven years and you're just telling us you're opening day. So none of our family or friends were here because we just said, we're just doing this. We don't know if it's going to work. Let's just do it. And uh, yeah, that kind of goes to Ralph's story of like the end of the day. None of us had worked a bar before. And we're just like, how do we do this? (laughs) You Um, guys are on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, learning how to do it. We got that magic spray that you see all the waitresses have. What is that? (laughs) Yeah, right. And I remember we got our asses handed to us our first day for like, you know, just announcing that day on social media we're open. And I remember we were talking probably to the mayor at the time or someone. Talking to everyone that night. Yeah, because everyone wants to talk to the owners and... We, I remember looking, we were kind of outside at the doorway-ish, and I remember looking in the lounge, and it's just packed, and, you know, our staff were running around, and the guys from Longwood, another shout-out, uh, great guys, mm-hmm. and the head brewer, you know, owner of Longwood, I turn around, and he's got the magic table spray and the cloth, and he's bussing all the tables, <laughs> bringing the, putting the glasses in the glass washer and spraying down the tables and, like, seating people. And I just remember, like, making that eye contact with them and just, you know, the eyes that said, thank you so fucking much. And it was, you know, just thank you guys so much. We were, yeah, it was a crazy day. Hmm. And then uh, we're like, yeah, it's going to be a rad weekend. We're going to make so much money. And then the power went out and we were closed. Oh, no. <laughs> the next day. <laughs> really should have been a sign of things to come. I was going to say, company. did you take yeah. that as a sign? But, you know, yeah. one thing I wanted to ask was, it sounds almost unbelievable that the same person who just walked by and was like, what are you guys doing? Ended up coming yeah. through and cutting you a big check. Like, that's just, I mean, that's got to be a one in a million, you know, story. Um, it is, and like, just so unbelievably grateful for them. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I remember they're like, you know, we want to meet at the brewery in like two days after they called. And I didn't even, like you know, hit him up for investing. It was just like the truth. We're, we don't have money. That's why we're not open. And I remember we met them and their family at the brewery and it was like a four hour meeting and it was literally like an interview. Like every question you could imagine they threw at us, but it had taken seven years to get to that point. So you, you can't throw us a question we haven't had. You're not going to stump us at this point. I'm like, Ooh, good question. I haven't heard that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we just nailed it and it just was aligned. And mm-hmm. You know, they came back with way more than we had ever asked for. And they're literally just community people. And they wanted to see it open in the community and thought it was a good thing for the community. What do you think they saw in you besides just a good business plan? Perseverance. That, you know, not not giving up. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah. You know, and... and Well, yeah, you're still out there smiling through all the shitty things that have happened and... I mean, every day is a curveball, really. Um, But yeah, you just always keep smiling and and stay positive and put on that brave face. It's 
it's pretty tough sometimes, but you just got to do it, right? Most part. Yeah, investors love to see that hard work <coughs> and then the people who are just going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And, and you must have communicated that. Um, and, and that is us. Yeah, absolutely. I think to a point of unhealthiness. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, we could have a whole podcast on work-life balance. <laughs> In fact, and, we and have. Lack of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the importance of it. And, yeah. and that is definitely not something we excel at. And we're aware of it. We know that we need to work on that. But it's how, yeah. you know, I think your own personal health mate, uh, and men- mental state, everything takes a kind of back burner when you own a business often yeah yeah but it doesn't have to we're hoping yeah that soon it doesn't have to yeah yeah i think learn try and learn that by by the summer maybe (laughs) it tends to but it doesn't have to (laughs) so i've read So we were going down the road of, of when it finally kind of, oh. the wheels fell off. The, yeah. Oh. When, yeah, when we felt like it was out yeah. of control. Um, wow, probably about three months in. Yeah, four. <laughs> and, and, it, and it wasn't uh, like, oh, we're bankrupt. It was, we grew way too fast. Right. And it was about three, four months in when it was like, we don't have the reins on this company anymore. Like, it's a ball rolling down a hill that's getting bigger and bigger, and it's running away from us. And it's hard to stop that because it just keeps growing and growing and growing, and you know that you're just filling holes. And it, and it wasn't necessarily like, oh, we've lost control in a bad way, but it was like, what? how, how do we control this Yeah, practi- practically speaking, for, like, non-business owners, like, when you say you grew too fast, you might think, oh, so, you know, you were getting tons of business. That's a good thing. So how can it be a bad thing when you grow too fast, just practically speaking? Well, I mean, if you're working too much in the business and not on the business, panic right. hiring. Um, Filling that, holes constantly. Yeah. And, but it just, and, and it was, I think, a lot of, uh, I don't know, I, I guess maybe being naive, ignorant, in the sense of we were just excited that everyone wanted our beer. Right. And everyone did want our beer. And so for us, it was, you know, we don't we don't come from a business background. We don't come from a financial background. We come from, like me, especially, I come from making beer. So that part I get. I get industry. I get beer. And it was just, you know, you think, okay, someone wants your beer. What are you going to do? You're going to send it to them. Mm-hmm. So we did. You know, and we shipped across BC and, you know, hindsight, looking back at it with all the, you know, freight distribution, we were probably losing money on it, but you don't, you know, it's hard to say no to a customer. Mm. A customer calls and says, oh, I want your beer. Okay, great. I want you to have my beer. And so we just, it just kept going and we never had enough beer on hand. We were always shorting customers. We were always playing catch up and you know we don't have a team of advisors we well i guess we kind of do now but we didn't and a lot of decisions were literally just us you know throwing a fucking wet noodle at the wall and being like i don't know like maybe why not let's what's the worst that can happen (laughs) and it was it was always in this constant state of catch-up and it just kept going and going and going and then the awards started coming in for business for our beer you know and it just it just got out of control where it, you were too successful and you just almost wanted to stop and just slow down. And then the more we tried, the bigger it just kept going. And, 
you know, staff calling, there's fucking lineups outside the door. Like, what do we do? And it's just like, I don't fucking know anymore. Like, it's too big. And, you know, within a year, we went from, you know, five, what, starting with maybe like four or five staff to 17. Wow. You know, and, and you now you've got managers. And, and, and I think another thing, I come from the beer industry. I was a brewer. I was, you know, back of house. And when I was kind of in the beer industry, lounges didn't exist. You were a brewer, you manufactured beer, you sold it. And, you know, as we were kind of going and and struggling with like, why is this so fucking hard? Uh, We talked to a good friend of ours who owns a brewery in in Vancouver. And I think he kind of, the way he said it, it was this kind of eye-opening for us. He's like, look, you run a manufacturing plant. You also run sales, which is distribution. You know, you, you sell it, you distribute it, and you also run a bar. And he said, you know, if I was making a chair, I would just make the chair and then sell it to wholesale. They're responsible for selling it. They're responsible for delivering it. You know, and he's like, you, you really have like four businesses in one that you're trying to maintain. And it was like this kind of epiphany moment for me and Ralph were like, you're not wrong. Like, that's why it's so, we just wanted to make beer. That's all we wanted to do was just make good beer and put it in the world. And I mean, we, I don't think we accounted for how busy the lounge would be. And, you know, like we said, when we opened, we'd never run a lounge. We'd never run a bar. We had no idea what we were doing. And then the lounge just kept getting busier and busier. And we were doing probably five to six events in the lounge, like from bands to yoga to everything a week. So now you're also doing an event space. And it just kept going. And it just, it really, it got stupid when like the Wall Street Journal is doing interviews on us. And like, you know, for us, we're like, we're just this little brewery in Shamanis. We just wanted to make beer. And it just kept going. And I think, I think the, the, the burst was inevitable. I think hindsight looking at it without us probably pulling in a team of professionals to help us straighten it, it, it was inevitable to happen. It just, it was out of control. But, it, but like you said, not in a bad way. It was growth. It was sales. But it was un... Controlled? Uncontrolled. It wasn't... <laughs> chaotic? Yeah, it was chaotic growth. It wasn't so manageable you, growth. Uh, if you could go back into any part of that process and, and give yourself a piece of advice, um, what, where, where would that have landed? Where, what part of the process would you have gone into? What, what might the advice have been? I would say slow down. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think, you know, remember it took us seven years. Yeah. So we're just like, let's go. And spite, screw you all. We told you we could make it and we're successful. And everyone just sat there shaking their heads, their jaws dropped like, holy shit, they weren't wrong. But that's probably where, you know, just slow down, control the growth, watch your numbers. You're not watching numbers. You're not watching anything when you're growing that quick. You are literally filling holes and just, you know, praying that you make it through because you, you don't have time. And then it just it really got chaotic. Like then, you know, we get called down to a meeting in Victoria with some people that we have no idea who they are to meet with like a foreign trade minister from Korea. And they're like, we want to in Canada wants to export your product to South Korea. Wow. You know, we want our first order as a container. Like, can you do all this? And it was just like, what the what the fuck was this? Like, how do these people even know who we are? You know, and we get down like to this meeting and we're doing security clearance and we're like, we don't even know why we're here. 
you know, and then it's like Canada wants to export you, and it's just like, mm. holy fuck. And like the amount of times that we've walked out of things and looked at each other and said, what the fuck just happened there? Like, like what, what was that about? And so you just kind of go with it and you're like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And yeah, slow down, so, stop. So yeah. yeah, just by slowing down, what I'm hearing is learning how to say no. Mm. Yes. That's a hard one. Yeah. Especially when you're excited and you're going off of that emotion. Absolutely. Of excitement, and right? as a new business, it's sometimes more important to say no to things yep. than, than to say yes. Because um, it, yeah, if you say yes to everything, then you, you kind of lose the control over, over what you're doing. Yeah, and we, we definitely learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah. And I, that I would recommend no one ever do. And I think it's important to have a team like of advisors and stuff. Yeah, and, I was like, just going to go there, actually. Like, yeah. like what, what you do so well is, is, is you built the community, you yeah. built the culture, you brewed the beer, you, you made the product, we're you the made that the successful. Company, like we're good at people. Yeah, you are yeah. a Riot yeah. Brewing, literally. Do you think it would have been helpful to have like just somebody who is like just the business guy? Yep. No, like absolutely. he just took over the business. Yep. You could keep doing what you, you know, you could keep brewing the beer <coughs> and doing all the wonderful stuff that made you so super successful that South Korea wanted you. But then you have the business person saying to you, okay, well, if that's going to happen, we're going to do this yep. and this and this. It's going to take six months. We're going to have to do that. With and I still think that's important to us yeah. and we still don't have it. Okay. And, and which is shocking that we actually made it through what we did go through, which I, I know we haven't got to yet, but <laughs> without that, like I, 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 I'm shocked that we've made it through and we still don't have that. And it's something that we are still where we needed and it's something we wanted to continue. It didn't present itself that way and we had to do whatever we needed to do to survive. And I mean, we <laughs> one thing we do now and I think a lot of, entrepreneurs probably really suck at we accept help mm -hmm. and we didn't we never needed help right and, yeah. and i mean it's kind of sounds stupid because i'm sitting here saying we needed help but you know you think you got under control and you didn't in the beginning it was you didn't want to almost show that you had needed the help it's like no we got this mm -hmm. yeah. and so riot 2.0 it's like we're all about help but part of it too is like you had all those naysayers and so it would have been hard to ask for help when, when you have a bunch of people saying, oh, you know, you're not going to be able to do it. And then you ask for help. It almost feels like you're perhaps, yeah. you know, proving them right or something. Right. Which you're not. No. You know, and and like we that know way. that now. Yeah. But at the time it was like, no, we got this, you know. Right. And, yeah. and even, you know, our family and our friends, they were just like the same time kind of take it back because it's just like all these crazy things just kept happening. Like I said, like. Wall Street Journal and yeah, that's and crazy. you know like this right here, this it's Speaker's Choice Award. We we won Best Beer at the Legislature, like it just kept going and going and you know we the World Beer Cup in 2018. It happens every two years and we won a bronze for our coffee beer we did with Drum Roasters, and we won a gold for our, our Dark Mild and we are the only Canadian brewery to ever win two World Beer Cups. Wow. And we were only a year and a half old. And it, it's the equivalent of winning, like, the Olympics. Yeah. And, you know, even the the House of Commons even sent us a letter of recognition or achievement on behalf of Canada. Hmm. And it just kept going. And then two weeks later, we won the Canadian. And it just, it's like, holy fuck. And it, it's kind of weird because you almost feel like you're untouchable. Yeah. Right? And you get this, like, sense or fake sense of, I guess, security because it's just like, when is this going to stop? Like, this is ridiculous. 
and then it did and it and it, it stopped real hard yeah about an hour ago you used the word insolvency right yeah and so so for those astute listeners who caught that <laughs> um, to talk to us about what happened when when the wheels just fell off and you had to be, go through that oh when when did this happen oh yes it's yeah. all coming back to me now yeah 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 <laughs> yeah probably just uh, missed the anniversary uh with yeah. this podcast i think it was what mid-february well the, the i mean it was built it was yeah it was building up before before then but the shit hit the fan pretty much february 2019 um and the shit he speaks of was cash flow yeah no more we i mean i guess we should qualify when we opened our cash flow didn't exist and our our line of credit our credit card was maxed we had no cash flow and everyone said you're you're screwed you need cash flow and of course you know ignorance or whatever you want to call it is like no we're going to be that one company that catches their cash flow <laughs> which is physically impossible if you don't have cash flow don't bother it is physically impossible because it wasn't a lack of sales it was the fact that we needed to sell that beer to get the money to make the more beer to fill the orders and we were always like a month behind on orders because we couldn't make it sell it quick enough to be able to keep going and so we we knew we were in cash flow problems um we had the big uh storm the windstorm in 2018 that Mm -hmm. shut us down for four days right at christmas and i mean it might not sound like much but that you know when you when you're watching your cash flow and you're in your worst shoulder season possible you know, losing 15, 20 grand is a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, that's people's paychecks. And so, you know, we managed to storm that. We get through the windstorm. Sucked, but we did it. Then by mid-February, we had the snow again. And it basically, what, you guys, I don't know how you where you were, but you were here. Oh, I remember. Like how, a couple feet of snow. It was our worst month in history, too. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't plow the roads in Shamanis. Yeah. We couldn't even get to the brewery for horrible. a week. Yeah. And we were basically shut for like two weeks. And, you know, it was... That, that was kind of it for Riot. What had happened in the uh, windstorm is we were starting to have arrears on many payments because we're in our shoulder season and we're just growing, growing, growing. Well, and you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, essentially. For sure. You know, I mean, juggling things and whatnot. And yeah, the one person you don't uh, steal from is uh, good friends at the federal government. Because they can... uh, No, CRA can can turn off the lights, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And that's basically what happened. Yeah. So yeah, they they put a hold on the bank account. um, During the snowstorm. Yeah. And when I asked him, he's like, oh, I tried calling you once. And I was like, oh. I guess I missed that phone call. Um, but yeah, GST? Yeah, GST. A little bit of GST owing. And so, yeah, that was, you know, the real catalyst because uh, any revenue that was making was covering that off for, for the next week or so. They, they froze our bank account, and most of our accounts pay by credit card. Hmm. So anytime there's a payment, it just right into... I was going to say, so even if money account. was coming in there, then CRA would just take it immediately yeah. Yeah. until the whole thing was I mean, paid off, right? hindsight, yeah. which, you know, afterwards people tell us is like, our lounge, we should just put a cash cash only sign. Yeah. Because right. then we'd have some cash flow coming in. I don't know if that's totally legal, so I wouldn't True. recommend that. But 
No, we didn't. Yeah. And everyone, let's be honest, in this day and age, everyone pays by card. Yeah, yeah. they do. And so, you know, it didn't take super long to have them paid off. But what had happened in that time that they sucked all the money went to them, we were out of product. Right. We sold through all of our products. So now our bank account's unfrozen. We have no money in it and all our products gone. And that, that was it. We were done because we didn't have the money to make any more beer. Would do you describe that as the rock bottom moment for Riot? No, because I feel like it got way worse than that. It was, it was the kickoff. Yeah, it was the it was the kickoff of okay, what do we do? And yeah, I, I don't know once again if it was like stupidity, fear, what I mean. Fear and panic kicked in. Yeah, and I th- it took a, a few people to drive this home to us is stop acting in fear. Yeah. Which, you know, when you're losing your business and you're losing your house or, you know, or you, we couldn't pay our employees. So one by one, they, they went off, or, you know, they left us for obvious reasons. I don't blame them. We did have quite a few employees that suck it up as long as they could. But you just kind of start acting in fear and you're not yourself anymore. And you're not making decisions that you would have made. And so I think once you kind of get over that... You, you kind of calmed down a bit. I mean, how many insolvency lawyers did we meet with? And I, what was hard for us is we had a lot of people knocking on our door wanting to buy us out for pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. I think at least nine solid people were gunning for our business. And vultures. vultures. And it was funny because we were sitting on the patio having a beer one day and there was actually vultures circling mm-hmm. the brewery. And it was like, huh, this is a sign, isn't it? <laughs> and And so that was hard and it was like do we take these deals even knowing they were bad deals but it was it was a way out it was a fear talking right yeah because they were really bad deals but Mm. it was like okay it's a means to something yeah and uh and and that was the hardest part is just knowing that there were people waiting for you to fail you know that not everyone was was rooting for you to succeed and and that really sucked especially people you're close to and but at the same time it also told us there was value because mm-hmm. these people had money, they had successful businesses, and if they weren't knocking on our door, you know, it's probably probably a worse sign, right? Yeah. And so they they saw value, and it kind of made us reevaluate and be like, well, maybe we're on to something here. If if people are fighting each other to basically take our business, mm-hmm. um, it was it was it was crazy. It was it was one of those things that. I guess much like opening that first day of like, how do you deal with this? And, you know, kind of off air, we were talking about this. It's like, and I talked about this at the, the chamber event when I was a panelist is you, you don't, you don't open a business thinking you're going to fail. So I think what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they don't look into exit strategies or what to do if you get in this situation because you never say, oh, I'm going to research for days and weeks <laughs> and months how to go bankrupt. So hmm. true, yeah. Right? Because you, yeah. you don't ever think you're going to. And had we done that, we probably wouldn't have went as far down the hole as we did because by the time we, we met with lawyers, it was too far gone where there were a lot of options we had had we known that. Is there a difference between insolvency and bankruptcy? Just for people listening. Yes, I think, I mean, I don't want to say I know this exactly, but I think insolvency is a position where you can't pay your bills. Yeah. You, you're 
you're, you know, we're, we're still operating as a going concern yeah. right now, but it's just insolvent is like you can't pay your bills officially. You're not paying bills. Right. We're bankrupt. You're, you're done. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, we, we learned a lot and, and, you know, we had family coming to meetings with us because they're investors too. And, you know. Personal er- guarantees. I wondered about the people who walked up on that first day. Well, I, I mean, one of the, I think the worst things I've ever had to do in my entire life was write a letter to our investors. Hmm. And it took over a week to compile oh. an, an email letter. It was like five pages long to our investors saying, hey, we fucked up. We're, we're insolvent. And it, it kind of sucked because it was followed by all these great things have happened and we still have all these opportunities, but we can't do them. And, you know, none of our investors are extremely rich people. It's all love money. It's all, mm-hmm. you know, friends, family, local people. They're, they're not rich people by any means. And so the first step was reach out to our investors to see if they could bail us out. And they just, they couldn't. They, no one had the money. And it was funny. So I was, Ralph was working the lounge because, you know, we're, we're losing staff. And... I was up in the office writing this email to the, our investors and I was just about to press send and, I, and for some reason I went and looked at my emails and um, for craft breweries in BC, it is physically impossible for new craft breweries to get listings in the government stores. Government stores can carry you but it's like a spec listing, it's not an actual listing where you go through the channels with the government. and. You know, we're just had our second anniversary. I'm just about to press send to these investors. And I look at my email, and sure enough, from the head beer buyer for all the government stores, we got listings for our products. Wow. And it's just like, are you fucking serious? Wow. And I remember going downstairs before I press send, and I was literally laughing hysterically. Just that insult to injury, right? Yeah, and and yeah. one of our investors was in the lounge with Ralph, and they're like, what's going on? I was like, fuck, check this out. I was like, we got listings. It's just like, are you serious? And it's like, yep. And we still have pages and pages of orders from them we've never filled. Hmm. Um, I think we might have burned that bridge, and it wasn't intentionally. And, you know, we, you know, to go back, like, March for us is when it picks up. And so this happened mid-February. By March, I mean, Langara Fishing Lodge ordered, like, over a pallet of beer we had BC Place, we had the, the Victoria Harbor Cats baseball team, we had Scawfest, we had now listings. We had no shortage of accounts and beer orders, we just didn't have the money. Yeah. And so it was just this big insult to injury to add all these things of like, here's all our opportunities that we can't do. And uh, it's funny, like the, the orders and, and opportunities didn't stop. They kept coming in and we just, I, I think out of fear, we just, ghosted yeah. everyone you know we had a huge order with milestones we didn't even contact them we just ghosted we stopped just answering our phones we stopped replying to emails we just shut down sent the email to our investors and that was it what what got you through that period mm-hmm. um, because that not only from a business standpoint but from a personal standpoint because you were the and are the business um yeah. Beer. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I don't even, you know, look, I don't even know what did. I, other than just, 
I think a big thing for us is we we didn't want to screw in our investors. We still have no interest in screwing our investors. We'd sooner go down than screw our investors because these people genuinely believed in us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, mm-hmm. once again, that probably makes us bad business people, right? But it's it staying true to self. We really didn't want to see these people lose their money. You know, it would probably be different if these were rich people and we were just a side project that didn't care about it, but they're not. And they're good people. That you had relationships with, right? That's how you got yeah. them on board in the first place was making genuine connections. And, you know, mm-hmm. and so as hard as it was, because God knows that it was like, let's just end this. Like, this is horrible. We just kept going. And, I mean, it got bad. We were, we were working at least 100 and... 120 hours a week each um like i said our staff were amazing they hung on as long as they could and even when they left we didn't pay them you know there's still some staff to date that we owe money to and they're cool you know we've stayed in communication they know that we're not out to screw them they know that we didn't do it maliciously and and i think the other thing that really happened that you know forced us to keep going was the community like how much they rallied that it was like we couldn't stop because they're not stopping you know we you know when the mayor calls you on your personal cell phone is like look what what the fuck are we going to do about this you know you guys are a huge economic draw you're if you guys can't make it what does that say like you know and, and he's saying i'm fielding calls every day about you guys and people are asking if the government can step in and help like and it was just like you know we once again it was almost that what did we create like it's still bigger than we are and and we knew a long time ago this business was way bigger than we are and you know like I might have said this in the last time we talked we we have that patio downstairs and we have these planter boxes that a wonderful person made us and in 2018 it cost us 500 bucks to put the planters out get dirt buy flowers the whole thing and I mean you know April, May comes. We obviously don't have money for flowers, even though it made our patio look amazing. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it off. I'm just going to put them out empty. And the community filled them. Yeah. We had people coming in daily bringing us flowers and dirt. We didn't even plant them. We had people coming in pressure washing for us. We had... It was just stupid how much the community came out and supported us. And it was the most humbling experience in our entire life. And, and why do you think that might be? Why do you think they came out to support you? Because we're horrible human beings. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, yeah, because, because the we're culture genuine. we created here. I mean, it's, you know, not a pretentious space and everyone gets along. You're here to have a beer and just meet new people. And, um, you know, the way we've built the brewery and built our relationships with the community just you know I think it's genuine it's staying yeah. true to self yeah yeah. there's no right? bullshit we're not hiding anything you know this is who we are and yeah without our community yeah we probably wouldn't I, be here I don't think we'd be here and I think we would have given up mm-hmm. um, so you know and we were very open about it and you know, well, those those same people that said don't tell people you need to raise money were like, oh, you shouldn't be saying that you're having financial problems, that you're insolvent. And, you know, I had a sign downstairs that said looking for investors. And I would get five, six numbers or email addresses from people every day saying email me your information. And it was that if we don't tell people, how are we going to get out of this, right? Mm-hmm. And we just, we we just, I don't know, I guess stayed true to self. We were open about it. 
but we still didn't want to go as far as social media. We mm. didn't want to put it public. It was more word of mouth, emails. And then one day I was working lounge and I got a call from CTV. And CTV said, hey, we, I just heard a rumor that you guys are not doing well. You know, we love you guys. We've done tons of stories with you. I think we already had two stories go national with them. And we had a great relationship. And they just said, what, what the fuck? Like, we, we don't get this. And they said, what can we do to try and help you guys? You know, we, we see how important you are to your community. And he's like, do you mind uh, doing an interview with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, at, at this point, I was like, Ralph, like, what do we have to lose? Let's, let's just do this. And uh, so I did an interview with him. And he called me back the next day. And he said, look, you know what? We actually want to make this into a news story not just print can we come up tomorrow and do a news story and i was like fuck yeah i guess like at this point what do you have to lose mm-hmm. right like you're, you're just in that you know you're so deflated you're so you went from the highest of the highest to the lowest of the lows that it's just like fuck, i got nothing to lose we might as well and it was actually interesting because i hate even having my photo taken i hate being on camera i it's just not my jam and anytime we've had to do videos it's ralph but podcasts are okay. Podcasts are okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't know what I look like. Um, and so Ralph was, uh, he's always been the video guy and he does all our newsreels and everything and he's good at it. And so they sent up their camera crew and Ralph's all mic'd up. And I don't even know how many takes we did. And Ralph's just like, I can't do this. I can't. Yeah. And he just like ripped off his mic and he's just like, I can't. I cannot go on TV and say that we're mm-hmm. bankrupt. Yeah. And I'm not prepared in any way to do this. So I'm like, I'm mad at him because it's like, no, fuck you. You're the guy that does this, not mm-hmm. me. I've been drinking. I'm not thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. And and he's just like, sorry, like, sorry for wasting your time. I can't. And I was just like, you fuck. So I get mic'd up and I'm not, you know, I'm setting daggers at Ralph through my eyes because this is not my jam. I'm not comfortable. And then, so I go to start, and as soon as he talked to me, I just started crying. And I was like, oh, fuck, I can't do this. Yeah. And so I'm going to start crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, was uh, the, what was the can't, Ralph? Like, why could... Um, pride. Pride. Pride and, yeah, probably crying on film. Yeah. <laughs> it was raw, right? Oh, yeah. It was, it was just... Devastating. You know, like... like it's just way too emotional and yeah I just wasn't I thought I was ready but yeah I wasn't and just couldn't find words to speak and it was just like eh, like nothing so I I managed to limp through it and uh, it was was it that day or the next day that it aired what what do you think it was if you if you were to look back now on what what was so challenging to say I think it's what you said, just raw. It's, it's, it's not being able to hide behind a mic like right now. It's not being able to hide by joking about it. You're on the news, yeah. basically, telling the world that your company, which everyone's watched grow and be so successful, is you know bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And I got through it, and God, did I look like shit. And there was not even like a fraction of a smile that came across my face. It was just mm-hmm. so somber and but I guess in reality that was that was the situation and it actually ended up like 
showing on like what the five o'clock, the five thirty, the six o'clock, the eleven o'clock. Like it just kept fucking showing. And we were watching it in the lounge, and of course our lounge is packed with all our regulars, and they're oh. cheering because it's like you know mm-hmm. good for you guys. And it was kind of crazy because it was the day after um, the Raptors won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were on the news before the Raptors. <laughs> we're like, oh, this is fucked. <laughs> yeah, we were like the third headlining story of like riots closing, right. and then that in itself was. Uh, a shitstorm. I, I mean, I guess positive, but the amount of people who reached out, we could not keep up with it. Of people offering to help, they didn't necessarily have money, but I'll do deliveries, I'll do this, what can I do? And it was just like, how do we even keep up with all these people reaching out to yeah. us? And then, so now you have this this bigger kind of weight on your shoulder of not letting down all these people. Because mm-hmm. now people are really watching what you're doing. You're in the microscope, you are, and it spreads you know that story spreads across social media and it just keeps going and keeps going and so it was like fuck we just what do we do and we just kept going after leads like we just didn't stop I had lists and lists of who had been emailed and what the response was and we were in meetings all the time and we just worked tirelessly to just keep going and everyone just kept saying like you're not meant to close you're not meant to close um but I guess the other part that, you know, maybe we, we, were, we were pretty honest about it, but probably didn't show it as much as possible is what was happening in our personal life. <laughs> and that was completely falling apart. And that's still probably more in shambles than the brewery is to date. Um, like, are you talking about mental health? You're talking about your, your, your mental health. And I mean, you know, people will say, oh, you, you shouldn't be so open, but I, I disagree because, you know, in, in this time that we became open, we had countless people come in and hug us and, mm-hmm. you know, share stories of them going bankrupt or them going insolvent, and they didn't have the courage to tell their friends or their mm-hmm. family. And, you know, they saw something in us that they wish they could have done. And just kind of knowing that, us speaking publicly about it, it kind of took the stigma off of it because I remember when we were meeting with all these um, insolvency lawyers, they just kept kind of reiterating is like, there's nothing wrong with going bankrupt and it'll be way better once you get through the mental part of it. Mm -hmm. The whole thing with bankruptcy is, is the mental stigma that it's around it, that you're a failure and you're bad, you know, where sometimes it's the best thing you can do. But you know, at, at home, like, we have two Supreme Court injunctions on our house. We have a court order sale on our house. You know, we, we are getting things repoed. And, you know, we're not going on social media and telling people that, but that's just the reality of what happened on the back end of it. Um, you know, I'd say it at any cost to other entrepreneurs, don't put your house as security, but a lot of times you don't have a choice. <laughs> and so our house is security. My mom lives with us. So even the, you know, yeah. risk of like, okay, what's going to happen to my mom? <laughs> Ralph's parents' house is a portion of its security. And so you're just going through, like, how many people's lives am I going to destroy by doing this? And you do just want to tap out. You're tired, and you just want to have a normal life. Yeah, yeah so, so. I'm, something I've been thinking about is going through the process and, and shutting it down. But obviously, I mean, we're sitting in the brewery right now. <laughs> it's open. It, there has been a recovery and, and a 
a replenishing of um, of capital and and kind of getting things back on track. But what I'm wondering is, personally, everything that was taken, like all of the anguish and stress that was obviously caused from going through that, um, what would it take or, or what is the process like for rep- replenishing all of the emotional burden and toil that, that was put on you through, through that whole process? I wouldn't know because we're not there. No. Like it is so fresh. As you can tell, we're welling up. Um, I really, really think we need counseling. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think that's bad to say. And I think we'd be stupid not to think we need counseling. Yeah, I sure. honestly, I think when I came out of it, I had some serious PTSD. Yeah. I really, and I don't mean to use that word lightly, but we got that's saved hard. and I got really depressed. What you think would be the opposite. And I'm not a depressed person. I snap out of funks really easy. I'm not that kind of person. I'm a fighter. I always go. And I think it's the first time in my life that I was really depressed. And it was like, why? We're saved. And I think it was just emotionally like crashing down. I was going to say, you're finally able yeah. to. And, and I think we still suffer every day. And I think it, it's going to take counseling to get out of it. And I remember when we were meeting with the uh, insolvency lawyers and all these different people, you know, they hand you a brochure about like, you have to take counseling. You have to kind of take, you know, financial steps and, and I get why they do that. Like it is, and it's funny because, you know, so many people, you know, your thousands and thousands of listeners, yeah. Um, you know, half of them are, you know, probably only a handful have gone bankrupt or insolvency. And honestly, if you haven't been there, you cannot relate to what it's like. It is not like anything you've ever experienced because it's, it's just this kind of so personal it's so personal and you just feel like such a fucking failure and you've let everyone down and that's why it was so humbling having our community keep mm-hmm. us going mm-hmm. like i honestly don't think we would have made it without the community not mm-hmm. not a chance it was we had to keep going because we stopped i think stopped believing in it they didn't well i'm mm-hmm. i'm sure when you're in the darkest times the, the negative self-talk was just, you know, on full, you know, full, um, like just coming. And, and you probably didn't even imagine that that many people would be so loving and generous and kind with, with the way they treated you. We started doing uh, personal mantras mm-hmm. every day yeah. and it helps and I'd recommend anyone do it. It sounds stupid maybe to some, sounds no, cheesy, no. but we would do positive affirmations every day. We'd say them out loud we would, you know, go through everything we're grateful for. We'd do it multiple times a day because we had to. It's just you're going so dark mm-hmm. that you had to, to have some sort of positivity. And, and you know, it's a blessing and a curse. We went through it together. Yeah. So we had each other. We fought a lot. And, you know, it's hard not to do your fault, my fault mm-hmm. kind of thing. But... Yeah. We, because we're both in it together. We own a house together. We have dogs together. We're we're not a couple, but we're you know, for all intents purposes, a couple. We just don't have sex, so it's like we're married. Um, so <laughs> it's like we that you didn't have that other couple to like partner to lean on. Yeah. You have a partner who's going through the exact same shit you are, who's also losing their house. Who, you know, the, so it was good because you got it, but it was bad because mm-hmm. we're fucked. Like it can't get worse than this, right? Yeah. And, you know, you just keep getting curveballs and, and 
<laughs> and when you think you're like a can't get worse, it does. It just keeps coming at you. Yeah. <coughs> but you're still here somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and the Perfect. fact... Were saying? Uh, no, I was going to say with curveballs every day. Yeah. yeah. Well, you learn how to hit them. <laughs> Sometimes you, you see the spin on the ball, and then as it's ducking, ducking oh. down, you, you uppercut it. But um, That might be resilience, right? Yeah. Being absolutely. able to see the curveball to deal yeah. with them. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, and you get to the point where it's like you're not really shocked by much anymore. No. Like, well, that's just par for the course, isn't it? Let's Mm -hmm. just deal with it and move on. And you are dealing with it, right? You're wondering, like, how how am I dealing with this? It's the resilience. It's funny, when when we kind of got through it, I mean, I'm I'm not going to say we're through it yet, but we actually, we haven't put out a new seasonal beer yet, but I actually wanted to put out two at the same time and call one Peter and one Paul. Yeah, that's great. You know? (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Maybe... As a final question, what is... Does that mean you're cutting us off because we're just getting started? No. no I, you own the brewery. Can't, I can't cut you off. Oh, actually, I'm going to... Can I tell you one cool thing? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we started getting money kind of coming back in our way. Funny enough, um, through summer with us working the lounge, zero wholesale like production going on in the back. Um we were profitable. Mm. Isn't that funny? Mm. So it was like, wow, okay. So now it's, you know, keep costs down and, and just yeah. try and maintain our employee wages and everything. We're just insane. Um, but we, we made it to our third anniversary, which was the beginning of November. And, you know, it was, it was a big surprise and it was really kind of emotional thing that we made it to our third anniversary. Absolutely. And so we always have big parties. Last year we had this massive party outside and we had, you know... Uh, Six, seven bands. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we, we sponsored a uh, roller derby team and all the girls were serving our beer on their roller skates. Nice, that's awesome. Just massive party. And this year it's like, okay, well, we're, you know, we can't do that. Hmm. And we, we didn't tell anyone, but what we decided to do is we had the uh, Golden Bolt Awards. And so we got these little um, awards um, necklaces made, little lightning bolts, and we did customer appreciation awards. Oh, and nice. that's what our, our oh. anniversary was about. And I think we had, what, like 30 awards of, like, you know, most drunk, <laughs> surliest customer, most helpful, uh, neediest customer. <laughs> and uh, that's how we, we did our, our anniversary was giving out these awards. And it was such a cool event. That and is a great idea. Everyone loved yeah. it. And for weeks after, customers come in wearing their awards. Oh, and cool. it was probably like the raddest thing that we've done. And well, absolutely, because they're the ones that got us to work to that day. Yeah. Right? And funny yeah. enough, um, I could not talk at all. Yeah. I tried and I just was breaking up and yeah. I was like no you take this one off I, I couldn't say a word and mm. it was just like seeing everyone sitting there and you know it was a pretty emotional day for us mm-hmm. but we made it yeah fucking weird eh yeah <laughs> and I still I don't know how we did it but we're just gonna keep going so now we refer to ourselves as 2.0 yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. so yeah. yeah the final question that I have at least is um, through this whole process, through what you've been through the last 10 years, really. um, What's one thing that comes to mind 
that you've learned about one another. So each of you, I'd love to hear uh, the response about the other. Well, I just let Allie do all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now you have to talk, so. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I've got an amazing partner, best friend, and yeah, we go through some shit, but overall, um, we're a team, and together, well, we got this place off the ground. We went through some shit. We're still here, and I think, uh, you know, we are amazing together. <laughs> yeah, funny stuff. <laughs> uh, what have I learned about you? God. How much you hate me. I know how much I hate you. I tried kicking him out of the house one night. We were fighting so bad, and he's just like, no. And I was like, well, fuck, what do I do now? You know, usually if you're in a relationship with, with you know, romantic, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever, and you're like, you know, fighting so bad and you kick someone out, they leave. But when you're actually like friends and you live together and it's just like, no, it's like, hmm, I don't really have a leg to stand on this one. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Where do I go? Yeah. Um, uh, it, Ralph's, it, this is going to sound so funny, but um, Ralph has this secret power of sleeping and it's his defense mechanism. <laughs> and it is insane how he can sleep through anything at any time on a drop of a dime. And you almost got to watch it because he will sleep for like 20 hours a day and it's his, his coping mechanism. And so I, I learned a lot about that. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not super positive, nice thing to say about you. I mean, you're my best friend. I love you. And yeah. I think, you know. I was a lot nicer. It was way nicer. But yeah, your, your ability to sleep is Have amazing. a 2.0 here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I what? think we, we fail at this a lot, but. I think I've learned that if we do actually work as a team, we can pretty much get through anything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes where we really fall apart is when we stop working as a team. And we're both too stressed and we're not listening to each other and stuff. And it's like, take a, take a break. We need to regroup because after all, it's just us. Like there's, there's no one else and you can't expect them to be. Yes, there is other people, but you can't expect them to be and don't rely on that. It's, it's just us and all we have is each other to get through this. John and I are the same way. Right? I can see the bond between you guys. I've had my back to you this whole entire conversation. Yeah. But, but, yeah. He tried to throw me out earlier, but I was like, no. No. I will not go. I'm staying. You, you know, you be, before, we, before we really officially kind of pull the plug here on this, um, the thing that really stood out to me through this whole conversation was it's so easy to feel like we're alone mm. um, in every way, right? I think it's natural to feel like you're alone. You're alone, especially when 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 the shit hits the fan. You really feel alone, and you begin to say things to yourself like nobody could possibly understand. Nobody's going through this. I'm alone in everything. Nobody could know, and and, and that can be such an oppressive feeling and add to the suffering. But yet, at the same time, as you know, these images of you know the holes that are being filled. In, in your on the walls in your thing and the planters that are getting filled yeah. and the and the money and it's like we're never actually alone and it's just it's it's an illusion or a delusion that we all have mm-hmm. and if we could just know how not and alone we it. are and recognize it um it probably would have been easier like no you would have might might have got down the same path but it might have been a been an easier path and and it just that's one of my takeaways from this conversation and perhaps for our listeners who feel alone right now and in whatever situation they're in they're not no and it's the willingness to accept help i think that's probably the hardest part for a lot of people 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people have to do what they're comfortable with, but learn to ask for help and learn to, to say, fuck, you know what? We're not doing good. Yeah. And be honest about it. Um, I know firsthand that there is a handful, if not dozens of breweries in BC that are in our exact same boat that we were in. The difference is they're not going public. Mm-hmm. You know, only a couple of weeks ago, two breweries in BC closed in mm-hmm. one week. Wow. And I think that's just how I think people, society has raised people is just don't, don't say that you failed. Don't, don't be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think yeah. we, we took the other approach and once again, it's staying true to self. Yeah. We're not perfect. We're never going to say we are. And I think people appreciate that. And it, it, Hey man, now we're got our sales going again and people are coming out of the woodwork and it's because we are true to, you get what you, you know, and it's, you it's, get what you see. it's the fear piece as well, right? If, yeah. if you were just only guided by fear, then you might've thought can't go public. You know, what will people think? The stigma. Exactly. The shame, the fear, that's all, all built in. Um, but as one of our amazing previous guests has been guided by it's it's following the love rather than the fear yeah and fear just kicks in right it's your, oh, it's your yeah. natural absolutely mm-hmm. panic right it does yeah that anxiety mm-hmm. that oppressive like because your brain just it wants to stay alive yeah and it, what if it feels threatened it just kicks in immediately cool so maybe as a final final question <laughs> um andrew brought up linda one of her questions, and I think it would be, be a beautiful way to end, is what's the best possible thing that could happen now? <laughs> we can start not always just being right, and we can go back and you know spend time with our friends mm-hmm. and our family and be Ali and Ralph, not just right. Yeah. I think to me that's a big sign of success where... you know we, we can have a, a separate life and, and do things, and the company is sustaining itself and it's growing and it's in a healthy place and we're in a healthy place yeah it definitely we keep coming back to that and it it sounds to me like the way you're describing it like that is success that is 100 it's not about you know once it wasn't about money Mm -hmm. like i said i wouldn't mind getting a paycheck but it wasn't even my top priority i vacation was more than yeah it was never ever about making money for us mm -hmm. it's about i think a lifestyle of like you know you can be that punk rock tattooed person and you can support a community and you can hang out with people you never thought you'd hang out and we can all coexist together mm-hmm. it's never been about making money for us it's just been about you know spite maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> but yeah with sorry uh, you missed the look that we all just gave yeah. each other there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but yeah as you say like as you're synonymous with Riot it, there's no way for Riot to be whole and successful if you're not as well. Well, yeah. I think it's uh, it's about that time. I, I'm not normally one who wants to leave a brewery, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 507, yeah, yeah th- we did well. So Thanks we'll regroup for... in about a year yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. see where we're at then. No, we'd lo- yeah, I'd love to continue That's the plan. conversation. That'd be great. Thank you cool. so much for, for hosting thank you, us. Yes. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us here. Oh, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll be we'll be following along with the the ride journey and uh, and enjoying the beer. At least I will. John will in another. I will seven, in a bit. Yeah. Seven, seven months. months. Okay. Come on. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll make up yeah. for lost time. Yes. <laughs>
I'd like to know much. about that baby you birthed <laughs> and what has come out of this. <laughs> Better be me, worth it. Me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheer, uh, cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, cheers. guys. Well, that's the episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you liked what you heard here, check out the website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That's where you can subscribe, check out the show notes. If we have one request, we'd ask you to leave us a kind review and perhaps share this episode. It's not because we have fragile egos. Well. But because we want other great people like you to benefit. Speaking of great people, we have a list of people we want to thank. We've got our senior technical advisor, Andy Robertson. Our media partner and web designer, Sticky Media. And of course, our host and snack coordinator, Judy Langford. Oh, peanut butter cookies. You can continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast and on Twitter at Obstacle Pod. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep pushing through those obstacles.